show us such a wonderful sense of the Lord's presence here this morning. And uh, we don't lift up the religion of rugby. <laughs> it's just a catalyst, right? And um, I was thinking about a message for this morning, and I thought, sure, if we lose, then what? <laughs> we, we need some good news. Um, or if we win, we need some good news, <laughs> right? The good news is always the good news. We always need that. Um, but I, I'm just struck by... You know, we could have lost. If we had come here this morning and we had lost, you know, what kind of a heart attitude would we have? Yeah. Um, but I just, I just wanted to start reading a scripture from Romans 8 that just describes how highly favored we are. Highly favored as sons and daughters um, of the living God. I'm going to start in verse 28. And it says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. He's called us friends. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. We stand here this morning because he has justified us. Not because... We did a good thing. Um, what then shall we say to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Uh, sorry, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then he says all these difficult things. Will they separate? And he says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither life nor death nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. And friends, this morning we get to feel that love. Just as even as we started praying, we just get to have that love washed over us. That's our starting place. Oh, yes. We are giving a word first. So if the children want to go um, and then come back during worship, we will we'll do that. Yeah. Thanks, Mom. And so over the last while, so I'm just like taking that as our starting point. We are these highly favored and we are called out, as we've read earlier, um, to, do, to be change makers in the world around us. And um, just over the last while, there's been a, um, a big word that has been echoing, and it's been like, yes. It's like it feels like the Lord is asking us for our yes. It feels like our mandate in helping lead the church is to give our yes and activate a yes, right? Just a response to, to what Jesus is calling. And um, recently I was listening to, after we had met and we've been talking like it's yes, Yes, he's saying these things. Let's respond with our yes. Then I heard Bill Johnson was also like around that time as well. It's like, 
this thing is like yes, giving our yes. So it feels like it's something that the Spirit is doing around the world, where there's this great call that we've been called to, and um, it's, it's in a position where it's like, okay, the call has gone out to us. Are we actually going to give our yes? And I think it's deep in our hearts to give our yes. And so I just wanted to give a little recap of the things that we've been speaking about over the last uh, weeks and preaching into about this call to like obedience, like this call from Jesus, and then us responding. The response of us is, the, is to the obedience. You know, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. We've read that from, we read from Romans 14 and Romans 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's this obedience. And then he says from that place, it goes on, just from the unity that we find in him, he promises to manifest himself to us. So it's not us going it alone. He promises to come and manifest his very presence in us. Um, it says, in that day you will know me and I am in my Father, and you in me and I in you. Just this unity from that place. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And then it goes on to say that if we keep his commandments... He's going to come with the Father. Remember I spoke about that a couple of weeks ago. He's going to come and make his home with us. Isn't that amazing? And why, this is uh, uh, John 14, why does he say all of these things? Is it because he's a hard taskmaster, just come and do what I say? And, you know, um, that's not the call. The call is that we would be more fruitful, right? So that, that sort of um, finishes off in Romans 15, the fact that we bring glory to him when we are fruitful. When our, it says, by, uh, by this my father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. That's how we bring him glory. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and b- abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in your joy may be full. So it's like all of this response to our yes is leading us to a place of being fruitful, of being a blessing to this world around us, uh, to our families, to our wider communities. And um, just before that in Romans 8, I didn't read that part, it talks about the earth is actually groaning, like in the pangs of childbirth, for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. Okay, so um, we, we look at it, even our nation, it's a desperate need not just of a rugby win, they're in desperate need of, um, of hope. And the only place that we're going to find hope is in him. And in that complete um, absorption and unity that he brings us into as we come into his kingdom. And so we've got this incredibly big gift that's been given us. And we've got this incredibly big call that's been given out to us. Um, but we don't respond in ways that like, oh, you know, like last night, we didn't have to encourage people to have to watch the rugby or to have to scream. Even Kirsty with her stomach up is like, you know, taking a bit of strain today because she can't really even cough. But last night there's an involuntary, you know, response to this uh, very, very good news. Um, so we don't respond in ways that we are not servants like, we, like anymore. We are now welcomed in as sons and daughters into his kingdom. And... Um, so I just, the, the beauty of this is the call. 
One of my favorite, favorite um, books of the Bible, uh, Song of Songs, which is why I've tattooed it on my arm. Um, the whole theme is, it's about this call of, it's not this, this, this authoritarian ruler, it's this lover that calls us home the way he wants to look in our eyes. So I want to read, um, so the, the title of my message this morning is Come Away With Me. And maybe half an hour yes in response to that. But this is the call. It says, my beloved speaks to me, uh, speaks and says to me, arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. For behold, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth, the time of singing has come. And the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree ripens its figs, and the vines are in blossom. They give forth fragrance. Arise, my love, my beautiful one. Friends, that's how he sees you this morning. You're his beautiful one. And come away. Oh, my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the crannies of the cliff, let me see your face. That's what his call is to us this morning. Maybe just close your eyes for a second as I read that. His voice to you, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. That's the call to us. It's this beautiful call. But then it's quite interesting to me how he, this, uh, how this uh, chapter is ended, uh, finishes off straight after that. It says, catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards. Why? For our vineyards are in blossom. That is our starting place in the kingdom. This vineyard that is in blossom, it's just fruitful and it's this gift. And we just bring our brokenness and our sin and we bring it to him and we, we, we lay it down, we repent from that, and he gives us this complete, beautiful, um, fruitful inheritance, right? The focus is not on it, but then it is like, let's catch the foxes. We don't want anything to spoil this beautiful thing that we are walking into. And so be on guard. And so I think that's my, my sub-part of my message today, not the focus, but it is a subpart, is to say, just look out for the little things, the little things that are going to fight for your yes. Because I really do believe, deep in our hearts, when you come into this, this like fruitful vineyard, and as we get saved, and we, we realize that we've been made new, and we feel that death and sin and sickness fall off of us, and it's just like you, you, you know, you're born into this space, um, that's your starting point. It is a massive resounding yes but now you start walking through the vineyards and we've got to look for those little foxes not the focus just an awareness um, so that nothing uh, fights for our yes and um, I was thinking about uh, Jacques spoke about the parable of the sower you know um, uh, two weeks ago and just how like there's just this seed is being poured out from heaven all the time onto us and there's parts that go into the path and it just gets trampled, and there's other things that take root, but then life's troubles and issues come and pop up and, you know, steal that, that seed. And I just want to say, part of those little foxes is that. Just think about that and ask the Lord during this time, is there anything at the moment um, that's 
fighting for your yes? You know, there might be just, yeah, what is fighting for your yes at the moment? That's the, the Lord is planting seed. He, the parable of the sower goes on to say that that is going to grow and it's going to um, multiply and it's going to be 60, 30, sorry, 30, 60, 100 fold increase in that, uh, that seed that gets, that gets sown. That's your inheritance. And that's why we need to be careful of those little, can I say, those little foxes, just so that we can actually grow into this place of fruitfulness in obedience to Jesus, because he has ways that are not rules, they're ways. He designed the, he designed the game, <laughs> and he has the rules that will help you flourish in that. Not restriction, but to see you hundredfold, fruitful, fruitful. And um, so I want to say, like, I really believe that our, when we get born again, we can't before we're born again, but when we are born again, our spirit is made new, and our spirit, its magnetism, its desire is for Jesus and for his ways. And so our automatic response is a yes. But then life can get in the way, can't it? Things, um, things can pop up. And so I wanted to just look at Peter's life um, just as an example of, um, of a life that is this radical yes to Jesus. Um, he sees miracles, like upon miracle, he then goes into life's difficulty, um, and he blows it when he denies Jesus. But then he experiences the grace all over again of um, the Lord's loving kindness who comes and redeems him. And um, that all culminates in him giving a massive Yes, and I'll, I'll, I'll show you just now how big a yes that is, you know. Um, and so just to learn something from his, uh, from his life. And so uh, when Peter is first called, um, he's walking by the Sea of Galilee, um, and Jesus says to them, and they, they, they're casting a net into the sea. I want you to just keep your mind, remember like the sea and nets. It just links back later. Um, and Jesus says to him, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So move from your fishing to the thing I'm going to call you to do. And it says they immediately left their nets and followed him. That's our response. It's not like, mm, I don't know. When we see his extravagance and we met with the face of Jesus and the love that he gives us, it's an extravagant, immediate, yes, I'm coming. And he does that. And um, then he, as I said, he goes on to experience crazy miracles. His mother-in-law's got a fever. You remember that one? Jesus comes, lays hands. The fever leaves her. Um, <clears throat> um, he walks on the water. He just boldly jumps out. He gives his yes to Jesus when Jesus says, can I come? Jesus says, yes. So he's like, he jumps. He gives his yes. He, he sees, he walks on water. He sees Jesus feed the 5,000. 5,000 people fed from a few loaves and some few fish. Um, and then he goes and he has an incredible revelation. Um, through this whole process, he's not just seeing the power and the love demonstrated. He has this revelation when he confesses Jesus as Christ. <clears throat> Jesus is asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some John the Baptist, others Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And in this moment, Peter has this revelation. It says, Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answers him, 
Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, Peter, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What an incredible like, promise. Like, as he has this revelation and he responds, Jesus is like, yes, not just yes to me. He's just like, everything, what's there is going to be here. You know, and what you speak here is going to happen there. Unbelievable power and um, authority in that space, right? And um, so this is like this. Can you imagine that? That's a moment of massive high, I would say, for Peter. But what's, what's quite crazy is straight after that, Jesus calls him Satan. Not calls him. He's like speaking to Satan. But he says, um, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and that he's going to have to get crucified. And Peter sees this and he's like, no. He's like, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Can you imagine that never happened? We would never walked into the freedom that we walk into. But he's saying this with such conviction. But he turned and said to Peter, Jesus, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. So in this place of experiencing all the goodness and glory and miracles of God, Peter takes it back to himself. And he just looks at it from his point of view, what's going to be good for him. Now, he doesn't want to lose Jesus away. He's just completely looking at from that from his point of view, right? One of the little foxes, when we become self-centered and we're just trying to make things right for us, as opposed to like, well, actually, Lord, what is your will? Even Jesus had to say that in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's like, if you could take this cup from me, Jesus, uh, Father, please, but not my will, your will. We always need to be asking, Lord, what is your will? Because why? Not for punishment, because he knows what's going to be on the other side of that difficulty that's going to lead us into a place of absolute glorious victory. And um, Jesus then goes and gives a bit of a clue as to what some of those foxes are, I would say. He says, in response to straight after that, he says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. And follow me. Complete opposite of when we want to do our own thing. Um, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit will, for a man, uh, will it? Sorry. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Sometimes we are so busy about building our life. Um, that we actually we sacrifice the things of, um, of the kingdom because we're not in dependence of him. We're just going it alone. And we are sacrificing so much and we're working so hard for something, um, whether it be in our jobs or whatever, and we prioritize that, can I call that blessing, that it has the complete opposite effect because it's, we're doing it in isolation as opposed to still doing that thing but in a place of, of surrender and submission to him. So it's quite a, obviously, like this high for Peter and then this like rebuke. Uh, from then he goes to get, I mean, can you imagine for the Jews in that day? He goes to, gets to see Moses and Elijah at the Mount of Transfiguration when Moses and Elijah appear to Jesus. He wants to build tents for them, it says, 
you know, let me build a tent for you, Moses. Can you imagine like a Jewish person seeing somebody like that, Moses appearing? Uh, I would say probably quite a huge high again. Um, but then it starts going a bit downhill again, um, where Jesus uh, prophesies Peter's denial. I want to read that. It says, um, <clears throat> Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep and the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Such conviction. Jesus says to him, Truly I tell you this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter says to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And it says then all the disciples said the same. Friends, it's our starting place. It's our reborn spirit. There's a yes. I will die for you. And I know that's what will be in every one of your hearts here this morning. I will die for you. So what happens to Peter? Life gets in the way. Can I say a little fox of, of difficulty and trouble comes and, um, yeah, I just, in, in those intimate moments when you see the Father, and it can be even in a time like this, when we experience Him, like maybe just now in worship or whatever, you experience in such an intimate way, the cry of our heart is, yes, 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 Lord, I will do. But then you wake up tomorrow and where did that seed get scattered? And that's what I'm saying. If we just jealously guard these beautiful gifts that have been given to us. Um, so from that, from that place of like, I'm going to die with you, what happens? Jesus goes to Gethsemane and he says, please, will you wait with me and will you pray with me? And they fall asleep. <laughs> and he comes, uh, he finds them sleeping and he said to Peter, could you not watch with me just one hour Watch and pray that you will not enter into temptation. It's this, this warning from the biggest yes. Just be careful. Don't fall into temptation. Watch. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, for the second time, he goes away and prays. And it's, he says, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. This is him asking the Lord of his will, asking the father. And again, he came back. And found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. You see this, like, suddenly the flesh gets super, super weak in this, in this space, right? And then it goes very downhill. Um, Jesus gets arrested, and um, it says that Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, You also were with Jesus of the Galilean, but he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out... To the entrance, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth, and again he denied it with an oath. I do not know the, the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up to Peter. Certainly you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately uh, the rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. Can you imagine in that moment from this, like, we will die for you. 
I've seen heaven and earth moved. I've seen miracles. I've walked on water. And then like in a moment of weakness, like he just denies him. Like because of the difficulty and the pressures and the fear of what might happen to him in life. Like in that moment, can you imagine? Um, anyway, then we know Jesus go, is, is crucified. And then I just love it that Jesus doesn't leave us there. He doesn't just come and save us and then say, okay, good luck forever. He's the one in heaven interceding for us, championing us on, not trying to catch us out for doing something wrong, champion us on. And um, so I just love this full circle of how he works with Peter. So he then goes and it's, he, reve- he reveals himself to the disciples, again at the sea. He called him at the sea, and he finishes his complete redemption and restoration with Peter at the sea before Peter gives him his, his final and full big yes. So they now at the sea, and Simon says to his friends that I'm going fishing. And they say they'll go with him. And so they go um, out, and that night, you know the story, they catch nothing, right? So in their, can I say, in his independence, his separation from Jesus now, he's just got, he's catching nothing. In verse 4 it says, Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, this is John, by the way, because we're reading from John. Um, He said to Peter, it is the Lord. And so Peter again, like this, yes. Um, He responds, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for the work, and he threw himself into the sea. Don't you love that? That's like, that's our response. From like brokenness, we just dive in. It's almost like into the water, like we get baptized in his love all over again from our place of of actually just where we've just dropped the ball. Um, The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. For they're not far from the land, about a hundred yards off. And when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire. Man after my own heart, Jesus. um, With fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. I wonder why he does that. There's already fish, but he's like, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. Um, Just this, I don't know, it's this partnership that he invites us into. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Isn't that amazing? The comment on the number of them, and that it's so big that the boat's almost sinking, yet the net does not tear. The fruitfulness that Jesus has in store for us is meant to be a blessing. It's not something that is meant to break or to tear us. And sometimes the blessings that we walk into, I get uh, something great happens. I get a promotion or whatever. And it becomes the very thing that tears us away from independ- uh, sorry, dependence on him because we go it alone with our head down. And there's an invitation for us to, no, no, actually 
when there's obedience to me, when you do the way, when you go and do your work the way I told you to do your work, throw it out on that side, what happens? There's blessing that can be contained. Um, and the Lord is wanting to pour out more fruitfulness and more blessing on us as a collective church. But he wants to know that it will be contained. It's not meant to tear. And that's the reason why we have to look out for these little foxes. So that when the blessing comes, it does not break apart and, uh, and we lose what he's poured on us. Um, and Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. He's a foodie as well. Um, and then I love, this is the moment of Peter's redemption. Right? Back at the sea, fishing with Jesus. And it says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he says to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And what's so amazing about this is that he goes on to ask him three times. It's like he, complete, he comes in to completely undo Peter's shame. Peter denied Jesus three times. And he's going to come in and full circle, he's going to come and he's going to see Peter and he's going to set him up for what he needs in order to flourish going forward. Right? So he undoes his three times, Peter, that must have been ringing in his heart. Like, oh, I said no. Ooh, I said no to this. I said no again. You know? And so he gets to ask him three times in response, do you love me? And he says, yes. And he says, tend tend my sheep. Said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? He's like, can't you see? I love you. And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So he's redeemed. He's redeemed him in this moment of like, Allowing Peter the opportunity again to rectify his nose, three no's, to give his three yeses, yes, yes, yes. Um, and then the undoing of his shame is so profound here. And it, it, this has only just struck me as I was preparing for this message. Because he then goes on to tell uh, Peter what kind of a death he's going to die. And it seems like quite hectic like he's actually like that's like a punishment but it's not a punishment it's like he's responding to a can I say a man weak in his faith where he denies Jesus and walks with shame and he's saying no no after this moment you're going to work walk with such courage and conviction and anointing that he actually shows him he's going to die a martyr's death not because he wants to martyr Peter but the fact that Peter can, at the end of this, finish off his walk with Jesus, with his, like, yes, that I can. He's, in other words, he's not going to ever deny Jesus again because of what happens in this moment. He says to him, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. He said this to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. Isn't that amazing that he's going to redeem him? This is how you're going to finish your days with me. Now we would say, oh, that sounds so hectic. But for Peter, with the courage and the guy who just jumps out the boat and cuts off the ear, he's just this guy. He's like, yes, 
that's truly who I am. I am the guy that jumps out the boat. I am the guy who cuts off the ear. I am the one that's going to be there for you. That moment when I denied you is not going to be the thing that defines me. My yes is going to be the thing that defines me. Um, and after this, he said to him, follow me. And he gives him his big, his big yes. Right? And I think if you think about that, like he would have referred back to this after the event and allowed the, the, the layers of that, oh my goodness, to wash over him and bring restoration to him uh, through what Jesus did in that. But in the moment, I think he's still feeling a little bit human um, because of his response. So Peter's like, here's this, like how he's going to, like, oh my, this is how I'm probably going to die. And it says then, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, which was John. He gives a hint there. He says, the one who also had leaned back on Jesus during the Last Supper and had said, this is John at the Last Supper, leaning back. And what does John ask Jesus there? Lord, who is it that is that going to betray you? This is what Peter remembers. He's like, here's the guy that asked Jesus, like, who's going to betray you? It's almost like this thing that's coming back to, like, almost like remind him, like, oh, you were the one that, um, that questioned who it's going to be. So he's obviously got a little bit of a, a thing out for, um, for John, I think, at this stage. Because so, when Peter saw him, it says to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Like, he's just been told what kind of a death he's in. He's like, well, what about this guy? You know, that's his immediate response, as opposed to, like, actually, it's still a human response, right? It's just in his weakness. He's like, oh, that doesn't feel so good. What about him? You know, and um, I just think that's, that's like one of, the little, it's one of the little foxes when we start over and over and over, we try and go it alone, go it alone, even in the face of Jesus speaking these things. And the only way that we can come out on the other side of that is if we guard the soil of our hearts. As that seed is thrown out, that we jealously guard it. We don't just like, oh, that's nice, move on and go it alone. That we jealously guard these things that are being planted in us, those little foxes. And so, friends, this morning there is a very, very big invitation from Song of Songs, that, that first scripture that I read, come away with me, my beautiful one, my love. Ar- sorry, arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away with me. For the winter is past and the rain is gone. Can we close our eyes again, just as we, as we read the end of that part, where it says, let, Jesus saying to you, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet. And your face is lovely. In another part in Song of Songs, the bride turns away from the groom and she says, Don't look upon me because I am dark and, you know, weathered from the sun. And friends, that's talking about us when we are, um, when we look at ourselves and we see the, 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 the unredeemed, like, I'm not worthy. Don't even look upon me, she says to the groom, because I am dark and unlovely. That's in chapter 1, and this is the response in chapter 2. Isn't that amazing? Christ says, well, not Christ says, but we read in, in the New Testament that while we were still sinners, in our dead, depraved, broken state, 
Jesus came and redeemed us. That was our entry point to the kingdom, bringing our brokenness, our death, our, our sin. That was our ticket in. And in that place, in response to the call, where we see this lavish grace um, poured out to us from that place, we get to respond, yes, Jesus, here I am. Here I am. And I want to encourage you, Just um, we're going to go into a time of worship now. And um, Phil and the team have prepared a song that just... It's, it's an invitation. It's that song, Come Away With Me. Come Away With Me. And I want you to respond in your heart. Can you give him your yes again? Not just your general yes, oh, I'm saved. It's not about that. He wants you to be fruitful. Uh, the end goal is not just like, oh, I choose Jesus. It's actually choosing him again and again and again that we would be fruitful because as I read in the beginning, that's how we bring glory to him. When we bear much fruit, that is your inheritance. And so as you respond to that come away with me song, ask the Lord, Lord, maybe like what is my, what is preventing my yes at the moment? Not just my yes to you being saved, but my yes in these things. Oh, you've been speaking to me about this. You've been speaking to me about that, but I've kind of been, just like leaving that on the path. I've been ignoring that. I feel like, what is the Holy Spirit calling you to today? What, what is he calling you to say yes, yes to? Um, and make a decision between you and the Father today. Respond again. And tomorrow you're going to respond again. It's a journey. It's not a once-off. And we're going to grow closer and closer and closer to the Father. Maybe there's a much bigger yes that you need to give this morning. It might not just be a tweak. It might be like, Lord, I've walked completely away from you. I need you. And friends, he's ready to meet you in that space. He's ready to take away your shame. The same way Peter, around a charcoal fire, it says, he was warming himself when he denied Jesus three times. From that place around that charcoal fire, Jesus then says, now I'm going to take that charcoal fire and redeem that space as well. I'm going to put you around a fire on the beach, eat with you, make my home with you, and redeem you. Um, and that's what he wants to do with us this morning. So can we stand and can we just, whether this is the first time that you've ever responded to him or you've responded to him for the last like 50 years, can you just pour out your heart to Jesus in, in, in independence and say, Jesus, may this be our posture, open-handedness. We open up our hearts to you this morning. So Holy Spirit, we thank you that you've been speaking. You are the one that makes the seed grow. And we just want to present our hearts to you this morning. We want to present our hearts to you with such gratitude and thankfulness that we come into a kingdom where there's no judgment. You've taken all that judgment away. We just come before you this morning. Won't you come and 
just lavish yourself upon us as we respond to you.